Welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast, where we talk about using communication and the power of positive psychology to build a great team culture. Hello and welcome to the Courtside Culture Podcast. I'm Dave Grzynski and today we're talking to the head varsity boys basketball coach at St. Francis High School in La Cañada, Flint Ridge, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. His name is Todd Wolfson. Now, in addition to his coaching duties at St. Francis, Coach Wolfson also helps develop youth basketball players at Rising Stars Basketball. And before that, he led Chaminade college prep school to a california state championship in division three and was named california d3 state coach of the year coach wolfson thank you so much for coming on the courtside culture podcast i appreciate you having me thank you very much and i look forward to to kind of getting into some of this stuff so, Coach, there are a couple of reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast. Now, one, it's your Twitter feed, which I think is phenomenal. We will get into that. But also, what caught my eye was your first high school head coaching job. You took over a program at El Camino Real that just came off an 0-23 season. But in your first year, you turned it around to 14-9. and And then in your second year, 18-5. and and you've had a wildly successful track record ever since. So, Coach Wolfson, my first question for you is, where did you get your knack for turning around programs for the better? I mean, I've always felt, you know, even though I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big person in terms of stature, um, being 6'8", um, I've, always, I've always felt like the little guy. You know, I always felt like I, I, love, the, I love the David Goliath. I love the... I love the stories of the little guy overcoming the big guy and, 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 and taking that over. Um, I've always had that kind of chip on my shoulder um, when I was growing up and, and started coaching. And uh, I've always felt that, you know, it's, it's, it's more fun and it's, it's, it's a lot better and more satisfying in the end uh, when people tell you there's something you can't do. Uh, you know, there's no way you can turn that program around. They're 0-25. They've been bad. You know, there's no way you can – can change the culture there. Um, and when someone tells me no, I just, I feel like that's, that, that, that's even more motivation for me to, to, to turn around. And, um, you know, I, I don't know why I feel like there's, there's just more satisfaction in taking something from, from zero to a hundred than a hundred. And, and, uh, you know, now you're always fighting, you know, to not get to zero. If that makes so- sense. I totally makes sense, and I totally agree. And so what were you drawing off of then? Because this is your first high school coaching job. What experiences, uh, you know, during, whether it was your, during your playing career or, or other jobs, did you use to set you up, to set yourself up for success for that first high school coaching job? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of things. I think, you know, you, when you're, you know, they always say you, when you're younger, you develop a lot. Um, and that's why part of why I like, you know, working with high school kids because you're in that age of, of just pure development. Um, but I think part of it was for my family. Um, you know, my dad was a wake up at four in the morning kind of guy, um, you know, get to work by 430, open the doors. And he was a lot when he was the one to lock doors um, at night. We would wait for him to, to eat dinner at seven, seven thirty at night and he'd, he'd wake up and rinse and repeat. Um, so that work ethic, I think I got from him is just constant, constant work and don't complain about it and do it. And, uh, my mom was a school teacher. She went 25 years teaching, uh, special needs kids and anyone who's done that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, you gotta have patience and you gotta love it. Um, so I think I drew a lot of, a lot of that from the both of them. I kind of always see, um, see that from them. And then from the coaching side, more of it just, you know, I, I had so many coaches growing up. You know, you have your your club coaches and your high school coaches and your middle school coaches and college coaches. And I think you know, for a lot of it, I took I took the stuff that I liked from the coaches that I that I got some good information from and, and some good things from. And then I took the stuff that I didn't like and and made sure that I was not going to implement that kind of thing into my program. Um, and I think a lot of coaches today that they, they want to just kind of just copy you know use a copy machine and copy the you know coaches on what they do where i feel like a lot of what you need to do today as a coach is is take the things you like and and omit the things you don't um and i think that kind of makes you kind of be your own and have your own little twist on coaching so when you got to el camino real what was the first thing you thought needed to be changed was it the culture and if it was how did you do it 
you know, it was an, it was an interesting situation um, that I kind of jumped into. First of all, I, I went to El Camino um, as as a high school student, so I had that sense of pride there, um, being an alum. Uh, from that school. Um, and the second part of it was um, when I was there, um, the head coach at the time was, and his name was Alex Lopez. And he's actually the older brother of Broken Robin Lopez, who's now uh, playing for the, uh, for, for, for the Bucks. And, um, you know, he kind of was phasing himself out, knowing that they were going to get drafted at that time and telling me, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much longer I can be here. You know this and that. Um, I'm going to go, going to go with my brothers, and um, you know. So I started already in my head, kind of just planning. You know, what if he gives me this job? What am I going to, what am I going to change? What am I going to do? And the first thing was just was just right away. Is just is just the culture. Um, you know, there was somewhat a little bit of a lackadaisical kind of attitude, and you know, hey, show up a couple minutes late, and coach, I got to leave a couple minutes early, and guys weren't going as hard as hard as you know we could have. So I remember the first thing I told our guys on the first day was, we're gonna we're gonna be the hardest playing team that 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 uh, that anyone's ever seen. You know, I know that's obviously impossible to do, but that was our goal. Um, and it, it, I didn't care if you were the last guy on the bench. I don't care if you are our best player. I'm going to play the guys, the five guys that play the hardest. Um, and we're just going to continue to continue to do that. And, you know, it starts rubbing off. You start getting, start getting guys who, who are used to playing a lot of minutes mad because they're not playing now and they don't understand why. And they're going to threaten to transfer because the, you know, the, the guy, the last guy on the bench is playing a whole lot now all of a sudden, but Hey, he's playing hard. And that's my goal is we're going to, we're going to play hard. Um, and then all of a sudden that starts rubbing off on everybody and guys start getting mad. They start playing harder and start competing a little bit more. And, um, that was the big change was, you know, I know I'm only going to be here for a couple of years. If that, um, I don't have too much experience, so I might as well just get these guys playing as hard as we can. And that was the first thing that we kind of implemented and it, 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 it worked. And I've been running with that ever since. Well, well and, and to get to, to mention the, your, 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 your Twitter feed, feed like, like I mentioned, I mentioned earlier, earlier one, one, one of your, your most recent tweets actually, actually breaks down what you think are the six, six attributes action. of great culture athletes. And I think you can, when you look at this list, you, just in your, your the explanation of how you got that done in El Camino, and 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 how that where you know where you left that program, it it all makes sense. And so let's talk about these attributes of great culture athletes because like what I I like you know I always say we pick on everybody on this podcast we pick on i call it the ppc <laughs> parents players and the coaches you know and nobody's yep. safe right because we want because to me and before we get into the list coach because i think to me it really takes all three to create that good culture you need the buy-in from the players the parents and you everybody's got to believe in what the coach is feeding what do you think i mean i agree i'd add i'd add a fourth one and and in hoops i'd add a fifth one um and for me it's it's the administration uh, you got to have that administration behind behind the kids, um, and I've I've found that here at St. Francis. There's it's a it's a vast difference when you have an administration that supports the coach, um, and when they support the kids, and they're showing up to games and they're doing the extra little things that help the players um, be successful. And then, you know, the fifth one now is is the AAU coach, um, and and they have to be a part of what the what uh the the roadmap to to these young men and women's success um, as high school athletes. Uh, a lot of coaches are anti AU or, Hey, you know, you go play AU, you come back to us. Uh, we, we got to work with those guys and girls and, um, we got to work with those coaches. It's just, uh, it's the way it is now. And, and I think it takes all six of us to do that. I just got off the phone for 30 minutes ago with an AU coach just talking about one of, one of my players, uh, you know, recruiting process and how we can help them and who's looking at them and can we coordinate. And I think that's, that, that's adding to that list. If, if, if I could. No, you know what? That you, you're the first coach to ever bring that up, and it makes total sense. I mean, and not just with basketball, but with, with all the sports now, because no right. sport seems to end. There are no seasons anymore, you know, because right. I have a I have a basketball, baseball player son who, you know, neither neither sport ends. And trying to manage, you know, both, especially in the summer, you know, when when he you know was playing summer baseball and all that. Like, and I almost think you, you know, not only do you need the coaches within the sport coordinating you almost need coaches coordinating with the coaches in the other sports at this point because like i said it it, i never experienced year-round play until i until i got to college that's when i played baseball 
like all year round. Before then, I had seasons, right? I played football, played basketball, played baseball. Everything ended. Everything began. And then you, you play baseball over the summer, you know, just to, um, I was mostly for fun. But, you know, you kind of kept your skills sharp, whatever. But but it wasn't until I got to college when, you know, it was like, well, now you have fall ball. It's like, well, what is fall ball, you know? And, right. and then baseball became year round for me. Where now, here we are, you know, a few years later. I'll just say a few. But, you know... It is so different now, and and I think you are you are so right when you say that the coordination between all of the coaches, you know, especially with the AAU and basketball, it, you are absolutely right. Do you get a sense that it's starting to happen, or are we still way far behind in that? I mean, I, I think it's just something you you got to do. Um, you know, if you know a lot of coaches, you know, that are, are in this, just you know, as we know, coaching pays pays the bills a little bit but it's not a it's not a job that you know you can you know you're not you're, you're not getting paid you know multi six-figure salaries to, uh, to coach high school sports so um you know you you got to be in this to you know your your, your number one reason to to coach from for i say probably 95 percent of people is is uh you know to get these kids to where they want to go and to and to help them guide them to their to their goals and if that's your your mo and that's why you're doing this you know why not have someone else in their corner that can help them um, you know, there is rarities where you'll find a AAU coach who doesn't want to deal with a high school coach and vice versa. But I think for the most part, you, you know, if we really want to help these, these young men and women get to where they want to go. you got to work with them. It's a, it's a team effort. Um, if they're in it for their best interests, you know, why not work together? Did you experience it when you were a player? Did you, did you feel like all of your coaches were, were kind of on the same page? Uh, you know, it was different back then. Um, you know, AAU and club was a – you got chosen to play. It wasn't like you can just sign up and play. Um, I remember getting selected to play on an AAU team when I was a sophomore, and it was like it was coveted because there was only a certain amount of teams that could do it um, that played, and only a certain amount of kids that could that that could play. Um, and it was very, very you know, cut and dry. Like here's our time where we play. Here's our time where your high school is. There was no overlapping. There was no real communication. Uh, and then obviously now with with AAU sports and club sports being, you know, a multi-billion dollar business, um, it's blown up and, and, and gone out of control. Um, some of it good, some of it bad, obviously. Um, you know, but I, I think I've taken a lot of, of, like I said, a lot of what, what to do and what not to do from some of the coaches that I've had in, in the past, if that makes sense. No, no, it makes total sense. So now let's talk yeah. about the attributes of what you consider are great culture athletes, okay? And number one, you say your team first. And I think we had a sense of that in your story about when you took over at El Camino Real. You know, the the, the kids who you know, were, were getting the time all of a sudden aren't getting the time. They got to put the team first and put their, you know, their, their personal goals aside. Is, is that the easiest way to explain it? Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, on our wall, you know, one of the things when I got to St. Francis was um, I wanted to completely change the culture here, and uh, we actually have in our gym um, probably about a twenty-foot lettering um, says "Team First" on the wall, and uh, everyone in the gym can see it. It's huge, and uh, we also have it on our floor engraved on our floor, um, right where you check in. Usually, some schools have an X where you you know where you check in. Um, right in front of the scores table, R says team first. Um, that way, when you're when you're checking in the game and you're sitting there waiting to get in, it always it, you'll always be reminded uh, the team always comes first. We just, I'm just you know I'm tired of the athletes that are about themselves and not about winning and more about Instagram and more about you know the things that we're not about. Um, we want to make sure we're about just the team and and the team first and having pride of of who's on our the who's who's on the front of our jersey and playing for our school and and accomplishing something and um, playing the right way and you know I've had teams where we had we had 12 guys you know 12 of our 14 went and played college college sports um, so you can I feel like you can get it done if you do it the right way and if everyone shares the ball and does the right thing it all works out for everybody um, but you got to find the right group that can do that well and before we get on to number 2 does that help when you're you know, when you, if you have this team first mentality and you can really engrave it, you know, in, in into the kids, does it help when you're carving out the roles for each of your player to, uh, you know, to get them to understand, like, you know, this is where you fit in the puzzle. We need every piece of this puzzle to come together in order for it, you know, to work. Does it help having that team first mentality carve out the roles and everybody understand understanding their roles? For sure, for sure. You know, and there's like, you know, I've had kids leave, and you know, 
coach, this is just not for me. And, you know, that's fine. Um, and I think you got to be all in. You know, we, t- we talked to our guys about it. It's, it's just a complete team first mentality. It's team first in the classroom. You know, we, we sit in the front. You know, why do we sit in the front? Because you need good grades. Why do you need good grades? Because if you don't have good grades, you're going to miss, you know, weightlifting and you're going to miss, you know, things because – because you know you're suffering in the in the classroom, so sitting in the front and paying attention, doing your homework is team first. You know, not not going out at night. You know, uh, we we have a, a Saturday game. You know, in the morning, and you know, hey, all your friends are having a birthday party or something. Well, maybe you can't stay out. You know, past past ten o'clock because because you know we have a game the next day. That's a team first decision. You know, and every, I feel like everything we do, uh, we talk to our guys about is is putting the team first and. Uh, you know, it's nice to have some sense of camaraderie and do things for others. And I think you also get that sense of servant leadership um, right away in high school um, when you're doing things for someone else and not for yourself. Well, my line for my kids when, when those situations come up, I, my line is you signed up for it, you know. Yep. And so you have to, you know, you have to, you know, you have to commit to the commitment. You know, right. and and if you're not going to do that, then you're going to have problems. And and then you know when things don't you know don't go your way, maybe it's because you're not committing to the commitment. And so, right. like I say, I always say, hey, you signed up for it. If you signed up for it, give it a hundred percent. And then when it's over, you can reevaluate what you want to do the next time. But for now, you're not quitting. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. For sure. You are not for quitting. Sure. But what you're going to do is you're going to commit to the commitment. So, so For number sure. two, and this goes, this goes, this this is another one. And coach, I, I don't understand what's going on with, with these kids these days. I'm gonna here's, I'm gonna get off my lawn moment here. For I don't understand why they don't understand the concept of be on time. <laughs> number two is you are always on time, and 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 it's not that they're they're late. They will, if it takes three minutes to get to the school and practices at 11 a.m., they will leave at 10.57. And yep. I just don't understand that concept. And I can't, if I had a nickel for every time I tell them, if you're on time, you're late. I would be right. a rich man right now. Right. How do you right. get this across to your, how, I coach me up, coach, as a parent. How do I get these kids to understand how important it is not to just be on time, but be there a minute or two early at the latest? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a struggle. You know, we want to make sure, as we know, coach, as a coach, you got to be a role model. Um, and you also got to understand the big picture of, of we're, we're setting these kids up for life. And, um, you know, if I show up, two minutes late to, to my job, I'm, I'm probably going to get called in, you know, by my principal and talk to, and, you know, I can't be late. You know, you know, we live in Los Angeles where there's traffic. I tell my guys there's always traffic. Um, but it goes back to us, you know, it's, it's do your current job, you know, do your job. I know we tell guys, you have a job, you know, your job is to play basketball. Um, you need to show up on time because that, that, that's your job. I have a job. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a teacher and a coach. I need to show up on time as well. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a that's a huge lesson to teach kids. It shows respect. It shows that you care. Um, you know, the part I've been struggling with in the last couple of years, and I've kind of gotten a little soft probably on, is you know, with the freshmen. Um, you know, how do you yell at a kid? You know, you know, I don't really yell anyways. But how do you get on a kid who's late when he doesn't drive? Um, is a tough one for me. And I've had you know players coach. You know, my mom is. You know, she gets home from work at three. We got practice at four, and you know, she's got this, and my dad's got this, and. That's always been a tough one for me. I think I've gotten a little soft sometimes in terms of, in terms of that, you know, trying to find ways and then, you know, um, but I still go back and, and I'll call mom and dad and say, hey, look, we're trying to teach your, your young man to, to learn a life lesson and can you help me out and if there's something you need, can we find him a, can we find him a carpool and just kind of push the envelope as best I can to, to get them to show up on time, if that makes sense. Uh, totally, and you know, and it goes again. Yeah. It goes back to the to you know to what I call the PPC. It's the players, the parents, and the coaches. Everybody working together to create that culture, and that's a great example of it, Coach. What you're saying there, you know, the kids having a little trouble. You go back and you know explain to the parent to have that communication. You know, the communication with the with the parents. Do you feel like I got like like it sounds to me like the communication that you are having with the with the parents. And the players is critical because I think it is, you know, me personally and just from talking to, you know, the the people on the podcast who are way smarter than I am. To me, that seems to be critical when you're trying to develop a winning culture. Yeah, 100 percent, 100 percent. You know, 
it all goes back to, you know, I hate to bring it back, but it all goes back to team first. And, you know, we're doing this as for a team, you know, and, and then, you know, it goes back to as well as, um, like I brought up earlier, is, you know, we're, we're role models and we're setting them up for life. You know, we, we have to teach these lessons. And um, we try to do a lot of our communication through through our players. Uh, I tell parents straight up, I, I, if you have any, if you want to email me, email me. I have no problem with that. Um, if you have something you want to talk about, let's do it. Um, but I want to, I want to hear emails from your kids. You know, I want to get emails from them. I, they need to learn how to communicate with an adult. Um, you know, and, and so like, Hey, if your son's gonna be late, I want him to email me. I want him to text me. I want him to, to tell me first, if it becomes a problem, you know, or there's something that needs to be addressed, that's a situation that he cannot handle. Then let's have, have you guys do it. But, um, we want to teach, teach our young men how to be, you know, communicators now as at a young age with adults. But, but that's a big part of this now too, coach, because I just feel like, you know, because of the texting and all the other things, like they got, they have their faces in their phone, but they're not, they're not talk They don't have their faces against, they don't have their phone against their face. And so they're not talking to anybody anymore, you know, only through texting and things. And that's a, that's another big one that I struggle with. You know, when, when, when I hear, oh, you know, this happened and I was like, you got to talk to coach, talk to coach, you know? And so, but then on the flip side, I think it's it's it it behooves the coach to remain approachable, right? And and really pay attention to how you respond. What advice do you give coaches as far as communicating like like those, you know, do do you ever get a sense where like maybe maybe there's something bugging a player and you pick up on it and you take the initiative and, and go talk to the player yourself instead of waiting for the player to come to you? How do you how do you usually address the those types of situations? Uh, you know, I think it's definitely, you got to have, you know, I always say you got to have a feel for the room, right? Um, you know, you always got to talk, talk to players. So, um, anytime we have practice early, you know, guys are shooting around. I'm always walking around, um, you know, talking to them, Hey, what's going on? How's your math grade? You know, what's, what's going on with this? You know, your brother doing this, your mom, dad, you know, I'm trying to, trying to get something out of them and try to get a feel for where they're at. Um, and things like that, you know, it goes back to person first, relationship second, output third, um, it's kind of the philosophy we use all the time. And then, um, what we'll do also is I have, uh, I have each coach and I've, I, each coach in my program has two or three kids that they have to check in with, um, once a week in person and once a week, um, through, so through text, text message, phone calls, whatever the case may be. Um, so we've got two times a week where each, you know, players are getting checked in and, you know, Hey, what's going on? How you doing? Even if it's simple, you know, what's up? How you doing? How's, how's, how's classes? Cool. Great. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Just to try to get some vibe and understand that they know we're there. Um, and then it also gives my assistant coaches and my lower level coaches a sense of belonging into the varsity program. Um, so they can, you know, feel like they, they have a part of it as well. Um, and on the flip side, we get to check in with kids all the time. So it's just that constant understanding of, you know, meeting them at, at their level. I love that. That's a great idea, coach. I mean, that's, that to me is that that's a great piece of advice and that brings us to number three and this is i'm very i'm very interested to hear your answer because remember we're talking about the six attributes of great culture athletes this isn't coaches folks this is this is what the athletes need to be doing and number three is control the locker room how do athletes control the locker room and contribute to a great culture yeah you know i mean I think it starts with your captains um, and your leaders, and uh, you know we have a ca- we have captains each year. Uh, you know we have our our couple guys that are you know um, better in terms of not maybe the way that they play on the court, but their 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 personalities and their relationships and their understanding of our culture, um, and they get it. Um, and what we do as coaches is say, hey, you know, I'll you know, I'll, I'll sit a, sit a couple kids down each year and say, look. Hey, I got your back. Whatever you need from me, I got your back. You want me calling coaches? I'm calling college coaches. You want me talking to your math teacher and seeing what we can do to try to, you know, stay after class to get some extra credit, you know, whatever. What do you need from me? But here's what I need from you. You know, I need you to have my back if I'm going to have yours. And if we're in the locker room at halftime and someone's bad mouth and, you know, one of the players or one of the coaches or what we're running or what we're doing, you know, that's going to start to spiral. Um, you know, what's going on at the end of the bench when we're not listening, what's going on in the locker room, we're not listening. And, you know, some people coaches say, well, are you paranoid? Are you worried what other kids are saying? No, it's, it's just, it's, it's a negative culture and a negative attitude that we want to just eliminate completely from, 
from our program. And if, you know, if you're not happy and you don't want to be here, you know, there's, we tell our guys all the time, there's 727 other schools in the state of California you can go to and, you know, I'll miss you. There's the door and here's how we do it. Um, but I, I, I need, we, we all need that, that player or players in the locker room to make sure they have our back. And if someone's saying this, you know, we, we, we ran a lot today and, and this sucks. And, you know, Hey, there's a reason for that guys. Let, let's just stick with the program and, you know, just kind of eliminating that negativity in the locker room. Did, have you ever had a situation where, where, where you know, obviously without naming names, but did you, where you thought, where you had a situation like that, where there was a kid who was, who started putting off a negative vibe, maybe, you know, a little bit top toxic, but were you able to reel that kid back in and actually get him to help contribute to the program and, and contribute to your winning? Yeah. And that goes back to my mom. Uh, she always taught me kill him with kindness you know, people, especially today's day and age, they hate when you're happy. And, you know, I don't know, for whatever reason, you know, society today is, is, is negative at times. And um, I always try to kill people with kindness. So I'm over exuberant and over the top with them until they start getting some energy that's positive and lighten their day and, you know, make them laugh and smile a little bit. And then they, you know, kind of forget about why they're so negative all the time. Um, you know, obviously that only works with some. And then, you know, sometimes you got to sit them down and talk to them and explain to them what's going on and maybe even sometimes deep dive into why they're angry and what's going on besides them. And, you know, we've sent kids, we have a school therapist, we've sent kids to the, hey, I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's beyond my realm of expertise. You know, this kid's just, he's mad, he's angry, he's negative all the time. You know, can you, can you help him? Um, and, you know, we're going to try everything we can before we say, you know, hey, it's time for you to to go somewhere else, you know, if you're going to continue to have this attitude or, or stop playing, playing basketball. Um, but I think if you're a coach and you can exhaust every option, um, that's kind of our, our, um, our ladder of how we, how we move up to, uh, before we tell them, you know, Hey, this is probably something you shouldn't be doing anymore. Well, right in line with your kill them with kindness theory. You know, one of the reasons that that I wanted to do this podcast is because I, I discovered positive psychology, which I never heard yeah. of, you know, and so I, I, I'm OK, good. So so you know what it is. Let me let me hear your thoughts on it, because I, I'm a big believer in it, you know, and, and it right. really that I never really thought about it until just now. But, you know, killing with kindness is 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 kind of yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a poor man's way of 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 saying positive psychology because you know you you really want to it's all about changing that mental that mindset right like you have on your twitter mindset matters so can you explain to me and explain to anybody who's listening you know your thoughts on positive psychology i mean it's 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 you know it's it's actually when you're in uh, i was i I was always heard i heard the story where it's if you're in a room of of people and all of them are happy you're going to end up being happy if you're in a room full of people that are sad you're going to end up being sad um and you know it, it, it to me it's just it makes complete sense um you know i always I, i'm sure you've heard the energy givers and energy takers um do you want to be around energy givers or energy takers um and it's just that positive mindset where where i think it it just rubs off on people and it's it's uh it, it's starting to become more and more thrown into sports i'm seeing a, seeing it a lot more uh we talk about it all the time with our guys um just the positivity and being more positive and um, you know, I think it's great for, for programs and basketball teams. Sure. There's times when you gotta be upset, you know, you don't want to be all positive every, every, every second. Um, you know, you lose by, by 40 and team didn't play great and you got some stuff going on. You, I think you gotta, gotta be mad and, and negative for, for five or 10 minutes. And then you gotta figure out why and start being positive again. Um, but I, I life's too short and, um, you know, we gotta make sure we're, we're, we're as positive as we can all the time. Well, one of the, the the ways that I understand, it'll just there are many ways you can use positive psychology. But one of the ways that I that I read that it can be used is, you know, if you have a kid who, you know, you 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 find like what his strong suit is or what her strong suit is, and you really play that up. And I actually talked about one of the one of the first podcasts we did. I, you know, I talked about this example when I was coaching my son's uh, grade school basketball team. We had a kid, you know, not the, not the most athletic kid in, you know, on the planet, you know, but he was a good rebounder. And so I, I you know, I, I asked him, I'm like, you know who the round mound of rebound is? You know, and, and I said, it's Charles Barkley. I said, I said, you're our, I said, you're our round mound of rebound. I said, man, when you were in there, you get every rebound. And he 
ate it up. And he would get out there and he just wanted to be the best rebounder that he could be. And, you know, there wasn't much else that he could do. But man, oh man, he would, that shot would go up and he would work his butt off, boxing out, getting in position, getting himself in a spot where he could get the rebound. And, and, until I started reading about positive psychology, I really didn't realize that I used positive psychology on the kid. Like back in the day, I was just, you know, trying to find something, you know, that, that the kid could build on. Do you do have do you have examples of like that, you know, of, of things like that? Or do you feel like positive psychology works in that sense? Have you used it in that sense? What are your thoughts? I mean, we, you know, we always talk about as, as our coaching staff, the four things, like high, our, our thing is high energy, high intensity, atmosphere of fun, always compete. Um, and those are our four that we, we use all the time. Um, I showed our guys actually a clip, a while, I want to say about three or four weeks ago. Um, it's actually a movie. Most have seen it's from School of Rock, which I don't know if you've seen. Love um, School of Rock. Uh, the one with Jack Black. And he's, um, they're deciding where everyone needs to go. Um, he's deciding where, what role every kid in the class has um, in terms of the band. And they're all lined up against the wall. And he's, he's, Telling them how great, hey, you know, you two singers, come on, like, you know, he's, and he's using names, you know, glasses, let's, you know, you're, you're on the bass, and, um, and that's, that was our example of positive psychology, is like, look, he's, he's taking these kids that aren't, um, let's say, the most inclined to, to rock music, and, you know, to, to being on a stage, and performing, and, and this, and he's using his positive mindset, I mean, if you remember Jack Black in that movie, he's just, He's positive all the time, and he's bouncing around, and he's singing, and he's laughing, and and on, all of a sudden, the, you know, the movie ends. I, I don't want to ruin it for everyone who hasn't seen it, but I'm sure everyone has at this point. Um, you know, they're they're playing in a rock band, they're having fun, they're out of their shell, they're they performed, and I kind of relate that a little bit to to basketball and coaching is just that that positive mindset and how he enables them to get out of their shell and be positive and, and turn and turn, you know, their negative lives of studying too much and doing all these things that they were not happy with into a, into a rock band and, and being positive. So, well, and remember a hey, coach, remember the other part of that is he wins over the administration and the parents as well, which you true. talked about that earlier. That is true. That is true. That is true. And, and so it is infectious. And so that is a great example. And I love that movie. I especially love when he's, when he's describing the, the scene and he's like, the smoke. And he's, you know, and he's, and he's breaking yep. it all down for me. Yep. You know, it is such a great, great movie, you know. And, and there, you know, and there you go. There, you apply it to what you're doing as a basketball coach to have that open mind like that coach and see that and to use that as an example I commend you for that I mean that's exactly why I wanted to get you on this podcast is because you you, you know you 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 you've just explained it you you see the bigger picture like you could watch school of rock and say my my team can learn from this and that's exactly what it's all about and then getting those kids to believe in themselves and 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 to just keep building on it it you know because it's going to be coach well, I don't know if I can no 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 no, no. we don't no 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 you're going to do this there's it's, it's not a, there's no there's no I I used to have a coach, one of my one of my greatest coaches um who just recently passed away Jerry Chase when I was at Cleveland Central Catholic his his big his big thing is you know, he'd say, all right, you're going to do that, and you'd be like, yeah, but. He'd go, no, no, yeah, buts. There are no yeah, buts, <laughs> you know? And so, because if the first thing out of your mouth was yeah, but, he'd go, there's no yeah, buts. And so, so I'll never forget that. Coach Chase taught us there's no yeah, buts. And in this situation, same thing, right? You're getting everybody to buy in. Everybody, you're carving out everybody's role. And if you get that yeah, but, there are no yeah, right. buts. Right, Coach? Right, right, 100%. And sorry for your loss. And sounds like a guy who rubbed off on you for in the right way, so. But, you know, I love how it all comes together. Now, number four yeah. on the list, practice and play hard. I think that, you know, goes without saying. But I want to ask you, do you ever have a, a situation where a kid thinks he's practicing and playing hard, but he's really not, and you have to explain to him what you really mean by practice and play hard? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we, we you know, I think a lot of times, I wasn't a big, when I first started, you know, someone's like, do you film practice? And I was like, nah, I don't really need to film practice, you know. And then I started filming practice, and it's completely changed um, how we do things. And it's easy for me to show guys a lot more of how hard they're playing. Um, and you know, we measure we measure how hard you're playing, you know, based on stats. You know, we use some weird stats that not a lot of coaches use. And um, you know, we we chart dives on the floor. We chart 
dives in the bleachers, we chart charges, we chart we chart um, times you ran by guys. You know, we'll sometimes just watch film and just watch, you know, like on a fast break situation, we'll break down on a rebound, you know, how you ran by, you know, we'll count how many guys you ran by to get back on defense and things like that. Um, and we'll chart that stuff. Um, and it just, it just gets infectious um, in terms of, you know, them playing hard and, what I tell our guys too is it, it just takes two or three guys to start playing hard and then and start, it's going to rub off. Um, it, you don't need everybody from the jump to start playing hard. You, you need a couple early and, and uh, it makes a big difference. You know, I tell our guys we're here. You, know, you drove here. You put your shoes on. We laced them up. Why not go as hard as we can? Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's part of it. And, and then for us, the biggest teacher of playing hard is, is that bench. Um, you know, nobody likes sitting on the bench. I tell people all the time, nobody. There's not a person in the world that says, you know what, coach, I'm good. I'd rather sit on the bench. Um, so when you're not playing hard, we, we can uh, tweak that lineup a little bit to make sure, you know, we can turn you up. Um, we had a kid a couple years back, uh, two years now, who was probably the best player in school history. Uh, his name was Andre Henry. Unbelievable kid, unbelievable player. But he just had sometimes he, – he was so good, there was times where he just – you know, he was kind of in gear five when we needed him in gear 10. Um, and we're third round of the state playoffs at our place. Jim's sold out. There's people lined up on the baselines. There's turning people away. And he comes out. And he's he's in, a, in gear five. Um, and two minutes into the game, actually a minute 47, I know the exact time, we subbed him out and sat him for two and a half minutes. And everyone's, oh, it's our best 30 points a game and 12 rebounds and um, but, you know, we have to can stay consistent. If you're not going to play hard and you're not ready to play, we're going to find someone who is. And sure enough, he came back in and he played 150 miles an hour and um, guys started rubbing off on them and it made a big difference. So I think you got to always, always keep your guys worried about the bench and understanding that it can happen to anybody. Well, and, and number four and number five kind of tie in together based on everything yep. that you have just said. Because number four, practice and play hard. But number five... <laughs> Major attention to detail. And if you're charting every single thing, and especially, you know, when, when you're looking at practice too and you're, 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 you're charging, mm-hmm. you're charting charges, you're charting, you know, the loose balls on the floor, you're charting diving into the, uh, into the stands, you know, and then also attention to detail. 147, you know, when you pull him out, and I'm sure he knows when he came out. And yep. that detail, I think, will, 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 always stick with him and everybody else on that team at that point but but you you've done i mean you you can already get a sense of what this means to you major attention to detail and 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 for me what i take from that is just how to me, there is nothing that is insignificant. No matter what your role is, you know, if you are, you know, if you if you are that guy coming off the bench, maybe you're the 3 and D guy embrace the role if that's your role right. maybe maybe right. you are that guy like here's the deal i you're our best defender i need you to lock this kid up we need a couple of steals we got to turn this around you know we're we're just in a funk right now we need something to get us going right you know th- that that role and that communication from the coach again all part of that major attention to detail is is that what you get out of when 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 you're looking at these films and you're talking about these specific things that the kids catch on to that 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 really there is no role or no like no play any any you know nothing is insignificant do they pick up on that yeah i mean it, you know we had a we won the uh, state championship 2 years ago um, here at St. Francis and it was like we got to the point where we stopped charting stuff um and we stopped going into that stuff because the culture became so good towards the end of the year, um, thanks to our, our group that we had, um, that it just kind of things took care of themselves. You know, we, we we always talk about like you know culture culture is easy when you're winning. You know, culture stressed when things are going bad, um, and uh, when things were going good, it, it was it was easy. And you know, guys weren't worried about coach. You forgot my uh, my my tally mark on my dive on the floor. It, it, it became a point, it, you know, we were game 32 games in and you start to just, things just start to roll. And, uh, um, and then the detail, you know, it, it, they don't even realize it anymore. Um, and, and the little things, but we're, we're, we're big on detail. I think, I think a lot of students, um, and a lot of athletes don't realize, um, the importance of, of the little things. And we, you know, as, as, as coaches always know, the little things, are the big things. And, I tell our guy, you know, we'll put tape on the floor when we start teaching offense and start teaching defense. And, 
you know, um, they're not standing exactly on the piece of tape, you know, coach, I'm like six inches away. Well, that's, that's a huge deal for us. Um, and let's explain to them why, um, you know, that this generation we're in, as you know, is, is the, uh, the why generation I always say and symbol for the simple fact they want to know why everything. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? What's the point of this? Um, so just try to explain to them and meet them at their point. Uh, you can't be old school anymore where it's, you know, coach, why do I have to stand here? Because I said so, you know, that doesn't work anymore. Um, you know, you got to explain to them why. And, you know, once they understand it, um, the, the, the little details, it, it makes a big difference. And as you know, and all the coaches know, coaching is, is it's the little things, the big things. Well, no, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, the, paying attention to the details also, you know, it kind of plays back into, let's go back to number two, always on time, right? Or just those, you know, those those life-related things that everybody knows. You have to pay attention to those details because it's, oh, coach, I was only two minutes late. You know what? Two minutes might as well be four hours because you're late. <laughs> That's the bottom line. You know, you should be early, you know, like like just to get them to understand that. And and I, I do you feel like that helps them off the court as well, paying attention to those details so strictly on the court? Yeah, I mean, for sure. For sure. I had a buddy of mine who his team, his team was showing up late all the time, a couple guys here and there. I don't remember one practice, he, you know, yeah. Time. You, know, come up, you know, hey, you're at five, you got practice, and he showed up at like 540. Um, his team's all waiting outside, they're texting him, coach, where are you, coach? You know, like, and then, you know, he walked in with a smile on his face and said, you know, see, you know, you, you see what happens when someone's late? You know, I can't be late. Um, you know, and it was kind of a lesson for them. And it, it worked well, and I think that kind of turned, he told me that turned, turned things around for his team. So, um, you know, just trying to trying to understand that it's, it's the littlest things that make the biggest differences. Um, you know, I, 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 we always try to go back to like relationships and things. And, you know, I tell our guys, you know, buy your wife flowers. You know, it's, flowers are, are five, six bucks, you know, but it's the little detail that makes a difference because it shows you're, you're thinking about her and, and you're caring for her and things like that. Um, and, and, and that's just something you have to carry for the rest of your life. Um, you know, and hopefully it rubs off. What we do rubs off on them. Well, and, you know, and the thing is, all of these things, you know, tie in together. And we're out, we're up to number six now, which is the last one on the list. And it's always hold your teammates accountable. And I think we, we, we have already heard how teammates start holding themselves accountable when you got, when they provided you the opportunity to stop charting because they, they were so into it and they were, they started doing the right thing and everybody's feeding off of each other. Everybody's holding each other accountable, whether they know it or not. Is that the, is that the sense you got from from your team? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean that was big, and you know it's it's uh, you know we're big. You know we're an all boys school. It's, we're big on brotherhood, and um, you know I, I I try to sit down. You know a couple of guys. We'll have meetings all the time, and I'll sit down with our guys and hey, are you are you pushing him? You know are you pushing your teammate to be his best? You know, do you want him? Do you want? Do you want? Him to, do you want to see him successful? You know, do you want to see him play in college? And do you want to see him have a good, a good life and a wife and kids and, and all these things? And if the answer is yes, then why are you not pushing him? Why are you not mad at him when he's late? Why are you not mad at him when he's given us, you know, not 100% effort? You know, those are the things. You know, let's try to have players hold the rest of the team accountable instead of always being the coaches. You know, if you're on a team and it's always the coach that are, you know, hey, why are you late? You know, hey, why aren't you going full speed? You know, hey, what's going on? Uh, that kind of gets monotonous. Players sometimes start to tune out. Um, and if it comes from the players, now you're really starting to, to cook with grease, as we say. Uh, you know, you're really starting to turn turn a corner. And, you know, I, I always feel the best team. If a kid shows up late and five players are already asking, dude, what the heck, man? Like, what's going on? You know, like, show up on time. and They're getting on them. The coach doesn't have to do anything, and things are starting. You're, you're probably going to have a pretty good season. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and it, it goes into that buy-in. It's, it's it's just getting everybody to buy in and being on the same page. You know, one of the other things that uh, that I saw on your phenomenal Twitter feed, and and I love this because she said basically, and this is for all all coaches out there, you know, and and I just think this resonates with with just about anybody who who's ever played a sport. But the four things an athlete an athlete needs. One, a coach to believe in them, which I one I cannot agree with that. That that I'm glad that's number one because to me that is number one. A coach to believe in them, a parent or guardian who loves them, 
Number three, a team to be a part of. And number four, an opportunity. Coach, where is this your own personal list, or or is this just a, you know? Did you compile this from you know uh, your your coaches throughout the years? How did you develop this list? I just thought of the things that kind of you know athletes you know need the most, and um, you know it goes back to what I what I would have needed, and you know what I've seen throughout the years, and um, you know I, they always say you know it's a simple game, and let's go back to to the, to the small things. And it's, it's that, you know, it's, it's, you got to have someone to a coach to believe in you. You know, you got to have somebody at home who tells you, I love you. Um, you know, you, you, you need a team, someone, something to be a part of and some type of community. Um, and, uh, the last one is just an opportunity. Every kid needs an opportunity. Every person needs an opportunity. Um, you know, we only get a certain amount of opportunities in our lives to, to take advantage of and to prove who we are and what we can do and how we can help people. And, uh, you know, every kid, every kid needs one. And I'm a, I'm a big believer. If, you know, if you're on my team, you're going to play, you know, I'm going to, yeah, sure. There'll, there'll be guys, you know, here and there, you know, that will, will not play in a game or go two games without getting on the court. But for the most part, I'll, I'll try not to go three, three, four games in a row where you're not playing, even if it's three big, four big games in a row. Um, you know, you just need an opportunity and show a kid how much, you know, he can th- thrive and, and flourish in an opportunity. I I love that so much, Coach, and and that's the thing, you know, when when you have a coach that believes in you, and and the player understands that the coach believes believes in because you've explained it to them. There's you know you 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 explain to them why they're they're, they're in this spot. Like even if it's the biggest game of the year, and you're going to put a kid in there, you know, like Hoosiers, right? <laughs> you know, the kid has to make the free throw, or that you know. But it's like as if the coach believes in him, right? And he's got you know the parents are behind him and the team's behind him, and he's got the opportunity. He's going to deliver on that opportunity if all. And you know what? This all adds up to a to a, a culture that's going to win a lot more games than it's going to lose coach for sure for sure and that's all you know for us it's the culture is everything you know um and i'd rather have a team that loses and has great culture and you know um than a team that's that's winning and has a bunch of me guys and, and the culture is not where it needs to be so one other thing I want to ask you is, do you do, because I hear a lot of times about off the court or, you know, or even off the field activities that teams do. Do you, do you do anything off the court or outside of practice and games to help build your culture? Uh, that's a good one. I mean, we, I don't know if it's considered outside the court or, um, or not, but we eat before every game um, as a team. Every single game we play um, in season, we eat together. Um, I was raised that we... You know, um, I ate with my parents, whether whether we got home at nine o'clock at night from basketball games, um, we ate together. That's every, something we did every, <clears throat> excuse me, every single night. Um, and I feel like sharing a meal is, is, is a huge way to build culture. Uh, we take our cell phones, we leave them in the locker room. Um, when we're eating as a team, we don't have TVs on or I don't care if the NBA finals are on, we're, we're going to sit table and we're going to eat and we're going to laugh and we're going to have a good time. And, uh, coaches sit with the players, players sit with the coaches. And, uh, you know, every four hours before game time, we eat together. And I think that's a huge factor in our culture. Um, it was tough for us this year because, you know, due to COVID, we couldn't, couldn't do that. Um, and that was, I think, hurt us a little bit because that's a, that's a big piece for us. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to hopefully, you know, assuming things are, on the right track, which it seems like they're going to be. We're going to continue that tradition again this year. Coach, I'm going to tell you, you are the second very successful high school boys basketball coach that has said that to me on the podcast. And and at the time, <laughs> he said he didn't realize how important those pregame meals were to his team until after his, you know, they had made a deep run in the state playoff and he looked back on it and, and really attributed a lot of their success to those pregame meals. So no, that's the second time, you know, that I've heard that because it really gives the kids a chance to, you know, to, to, I guess get to know their brothers a little bit better, right? right. You know, you know right. things that you know because it's 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 not oh it's not about the X's and O's. It's it's so much about right. the other things. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Sharing a meal, who doesn't like to eat? You know, um, it's kind of, you know, let's put our cell phones away, Instagram can wait, and all that stuff, and just kind of enjoy each other's company and joke around and 
Um, I'll even sometimes we see the same three kids sitting, sitting together. Hey, go sit over there. You go sit over there. Just kind of mix guys up. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll have the, 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 the younger kids grab food first. The older kids sometimes just so we can try to mix the seating up. And then after a while, you don't have to worry about that anymore. That's awesome. No, that that's great. Now, Coach, this has been, yeah, I mean, you have checked all the boxes of the reasons why yeah, I, I wanted to get you on this podcast. I mean, I've learned so much. Is there anything else that you want to mention that, that we haven't talked about yet that you think coaches, players, parents could benefit from? Uh, no, I mean, I think we, we covered a lot of bases. I mean, I could talk for four hours about stuff like this. I, I enjoyed, you know, discussing culture and teams and uh, – you know, whatever I can do to help, uh, whether it's players or coaches, you know, become successful. You know, that's why I'm, I'm in the job that I'm in, and I, I, I enjoy giving back and serving others. And um, if you wouldn't mind, I can put my, my Twitter address on there. It's at SFHS Hoops, which is SF as in St. Francis, HS as in high school, Hoops. And if anyone wants to email me, coachwolfson at gmail.com, I'd be glad to help anybody that's looking for advice or wants some help or improve your program or improve a player in the program. Oh, it's so great. And you know what? what's so great about this episode now is just the specific examples that you were able to give to coaches. And again, it's it's like what you said you know, at the beginning of the podcast. You know, you take little – you don't have to become one of your old coaches. Take bits and pieces from your coaches. And so take bits and pieces. Okay, so if you don't like the School of Rock, there's a different movie that you think, you know, points out a great way to, 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 to – to paint out role, role models, get that movie. You know what I mean? Like, like that's what I loved about this coach, that the fact that you were able to give examples that coaches can use. So I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. No, I appreciate you having me, and it's uh, I enjoy what you're doing, and you know, spreading the word of, of of good coaching and culture. And I think we need more people that can, that can help others. And I think sometimes coaches get in a box where they don't want to. I need advice. I'm doing it this way. This is how I do it. You know, they don't want to grow and learn. I think we all as coaches can learn and get better. I would say it sounds sounds cliche and corny, but if I can listen to a podcast and help one change one kid, uh, then I've, I've done something well. You know, today. So I appreciate what you're doing. Oh no, oh, no it's, it's great. great. Now, now before, before we before, before we, we let, let you go, go we, 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 always we always do a couple, couple of things, things at the end of the podcast. podcast. What's, what's the coolest, coolest and first, first things last? last? Now, now what's, what's the coolest? I can't wait to hear this answer because I have a feeling this is going to be a very interesting one. Coach, what, Coach, is, the what is the coolest place, place you've ever, you've, you've, you have ever played, coached, or watched a game? I would say, hey, it's a good one. I would say Hinkle Fieldhouse um, for me was a really, really cool one. Um, I enjoy that. Uh, that was that was cool to see. Um, you know, Butler play a game there. That was a fun one for me. Um, I saw Kobe's last game at Staples Center. Um, that was, uh, you know, being from LA and being a Kobe fan my whole life. That was a that was a good one too. I'd, I'd have to put those two, even though the Staples Center is not amazing. It was just that that exact, you know, kind of time and place where you are. And and looking back now with with his passing and seeing his last ever game was was pretty special for me. Yeah, really. I mean, at the time, you have you know you uh, you you had no idea the significance of of what they. I mean, it was already significant, and and now it's sure. it's even more significant. Although, though, that's a great one. And then you know, and for for people who may not know Hinkle Fieldhouse, let's go back to the, another Hoosiers reference. That's where <laughs> they filmed the end of the movie. Is it Hinkle yep. Fieldhouse in 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 Butler's? Uh, you know where Butler plays, and what's funny right. is I'm a huge fan of Hoosiers, and I got a I got a good, really good friend who lives in Indianapolis, and uh, he actually works for the Colts. And um, okay, he uh, he we we went there one because we took my son. My son's a, a basketball player, and of course, you know I've made him watch Hoosiers, and um, and we we went to Hinkle Fieldhouse. It was great. It was like it was it was in the off season. And it was like a it was like a Saturday late morning or whatever, and we weren't even sure if if we could even get into the park a lot, let alone get into the building. Not only did we get into the building. We got on the floor. It was great. Like the people who That's were there cool. cleaning, it were so cool. It was nice. So my son got to walk out on the floor. So every time Butler's on, he's like, "I stood on that floor." You know, he gets That's all excited. Cool. You know, but no, That's it's so cool. but yeah. So Hinkle Fieldhouse is uh, that you know that holds a, a, a special place in my heart just because the people were so nice when we were there and allowed you know my son to to just kind of step on the floor. I mean, it was a, it was a big deal. So, but uh, all right, now the last thing we like to do, coach, is first things last. I'm going to hit you up. With, we got to learn a little bit more about you, okay? And so, okay. Coach Wolfson, 
This is a list of firsts. It's the last thing we do on the podcast. So first things last. What was your first job? My first job was I was a expediter at a restaurant. Um, and for what an expediter is, is uh, for those that don't know, I, I was in the back in the, in the kitchen. Um, and what I would do is when, uh, you know, the, the servers put the orders in, the ticket would come up and it would be a salad and a pizza and a this and a that. And it was a big, it was a huge restaurant. And I would grab, when they were ready, I'd grab them and put them on a tray and run them out to, to the tables. Um, and that was my, that was my first job. And I was, it was, it was, it was great. I made cash, um, tips and being 18 years old, that was a, that was a really, really fun job. See, I, I thought when you said you were six eight, an expediter would be the guy who would get rid of the people who didn't pay their bill. You, you, got, them, you got them out of the restaurant really quickly. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. But that's all. I, I'd never heard that before. See, that's why yeah, I love yeah. doing this. I love doing yeah. it. How long did you no, do I that? Worked, I worked in restaurants for about seven years, six, seven years when I was in college too. And I was a manager of a restaurant when I was 20, 20, 21. I mean, I, I loved restaurants because it was, it was, I know it sounds weird, but it was similar to hoops in terms of like, you know, I, I had a crew and I had assistants and, um, you know, you, I, you, you had to do inventory and you had to, pay, you know, you had to, you had to get there early and you had to treat your staff right. And, um, and it, it's, it's fast paced and there's a lot going on and there's a lot of interaction and networking and, it was fun. I, I, I think rest, I'd, I'd love someday to retire and open up a restaurant, even though the people say it's a it's a deadly thing to open up a restaurant. I'd love to do it someday. Well, I tell you what, it sounds like it was good training for, for your coaching career. Okay, it now, was. Coach, it really what, was. What, what was your first car? You got all this money from expediting. So what did you spend? What, what car did you spend it on? What was your first car? My parents bought me my first car. Was a, it was a Mustang. Um, I don't know the year. It was a Mustang. Um, and I sold it two days after I got it because it barely ran. Uh, oh. I, think I, got, I think I got 500 bucks for it, 550 or something like that. And I, uh, I bought a better car so because I had a little money in my pocket from working. So um, I bought a better car. But that was my first one I drove for, for I want to say, two or three days. No kidding. You're not going to tell us what car 1A was? <laughs> the, the one you it bought? Was, uh, it was actually <laughs> another Mustang but a newer one. So Okay. Was that a, a 5.0 or what? No, no, it was a, I want to say it was a, just a regular, you know, I don't even remember the year, but yeah. it was better. Let's put it this way. It was better than one I got. That is crazy. Did your parents feel bad about that? No, I mean, we, you know, we didn't have too much money, so that, that made right. me something. But I, 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 how could, how would awesome. they know, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all they could give me. And, you know, um, I have an older brother and I think they got him something similar. So they didn't want to give me something nicer than what they got him and, it was what it was. So yeah, but, uh, yeah. Maybe, but maybe hey, it a sounds like person. hey, and it all worked out in the end. How about 100%. this? So what? What was the what, the first record, CD, or cassette that uh, you ever bought, or that you remember having? Man, that's a good one. Um, I remember uh, I was I was into rap music early as a kid. I remember about Bone Thugs and Harmony. Um, I don't even know who they are. Bone they Thugs are and from Harmony Cleveland. Album. That's where I yeah. am from. Of course, I yeah. know Bone Thugs and Harmony. I yeah. remember as a little kid, I was I was obsessed with them, and I remember Crossroads. Uh, yeah, I remember getting my brother to buy it for me because it was it had explicit lyrics, and I couldn't yep. get it myself. And he was older, <laughs> so he bought it for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, one. they're yeah, they're they're big in Cleveland. Oh yeah, yeah. that was always a big deal. <laughs> and what's funny about that, and this is so funny, how everything is tying together. This is like the tie together podcast because that same buddy that I just mentioned, when I met him, I met him in Augusta, Georgia. We both worked in TV together in Augusta, Georgia, and that's that was like the one thing he was like, "Oh, you're from Cleveland, huh?" Bone Stokes and Harmony, and he, like, oh, he would funny. that was like he just never wanted. He would always bring up Bone Stokes and Harmony, and to this day he will bring you know like, like you know if he's listening to Sirius or something and a, you know Bone Stokes right. and Harmony song is on, he'll take a picture of it and send it to me. You know, but to this day That's it's funny. so funny that Bone Stokes and Harmony is your your first your first album. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so wait, so was what was your first concert then? Was it Bone Stokes and uh, Harmony? First concert I went to was actually Eminem. Oh. Yeah, so. Uh, Were you old I, enough to I, get I into allowed, that one? I Jeez. wasn't allowed to go to concerts for a long time, so um, that was the first one I went to. That's a good one, though. All right, Coach, this yeah. is the last one, and this is present day. What is the first app that you check each day after you get up? Um, actually, first thing I do is I go to the, my Calm app. 
Um, I'm a big meditation guy. Uh, I wake up in the morning. I charge my phone on the other side of the room uh, when I sleep, and I'll go grab my phone, and I do about a 10-minute meditation before I even check Twitter, before I check mail, before I check anything, before I let the dog out. Um, that's the first thing I do, just to try to make sure my day is going to start the right way and um, kind of recenter myself and get, get myself ready for the day. That is awesome, Coach. Man, oh man, we've learned so much from you in the in the last hour. I can't thank you enough for joining us today, Coach. Thank you, thank you for having me. Hey, any, hey, we'll have you back, Coach. I promise you. This cool. this was such a great conversation. There's so much more I can get into with you. Hey, remember, if you have a great coach out there who's doing great things, winning games, and building a great team culture at the same time, I want to hear about them. We may even ask them to be a future guest on the podcast, just like we did Coach Wolfson. Hey, you can reach out to me on Twitter, at CourtsidePod1, and on Facebook and Instagram, at Courtside Culture Podcast. Remember, folks, build your players' strengths, find them all a role, and you'll take them from good to great. Coach Wolfson is a perfect example of that. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the Courtside Culture Podcast. And remember, build the good in your players instead of focusing on repairing the bad. Find your players a role, each and every one of them, and take them from good to great. We'll see you next time.